When we share someone's story here on The Diaries, the episode might end, but their story doesn't. So many of the people we've talked to, they've gone on to do incredible things. They have epic adventures and make significant impacts in our community. Over on Diaries Plus, we're catching up with some of our former guests to see what they've been up to. I recently sat down with Connor Ryan, a Lakota professional skier from our Sacred Slopes episode, who's been knocking out groundbreaking projects ever since the episode aired. It's really incredible. We had a great discussion about the impacts he's made, what keeps his fire burning, and taking ski lessons as a pro skier. Here's a snippet of the conversation. All the source of joy that I use to fill my cup to be out in the world doing positive things comes from my relationship to the outdoors. And so I've really focused on like, wow, like there's so much power if I can give one person the relationship to the outdoors that that I have through skiing. And maybe that will have as profound of an effect on them as it's had on me. To listen to the full episode, use the link in the show notes to subscribe to Diaries Plus today. Yeah, you get more shows, but you also have a peace of mind of powering what's out there right now, keeping us moving forward, keeping this community together. So thank you for everyone who supported and everyone who's going to support. We appreciate it. Target stores. Ugh. I don't like going to Target anymore. Those fluorescent lights. There's just a bunch of crap in there that I don't need. Plus, I always think that I'm going to get bad news if I decide to peruse the store's happily colored aisles. The T in PTSD stands for Target for me. The last time I was in Target was in 2003, Boulder, Colorado. I had graduated from university a few months ago and was still fresh with the feeling of having completed something truly big. I heard my cell phone ring, flipped it open, and flippantly answered. It was my brother, who usually greets me with a joke and a laugh. Instead, he sounded palpably serious. No beating around the bush, he said, Anya, Gordon's dead. It was sudden and unexpected, a terrible fluke. I crumpled to the cold tile floor, amidst a bunch of material shit I didn't need, crying for the one thing I did need, a dad. In that moment, everything felt wrong. The wrong thing had happened at the wrong time to the wrong person. I was definitely in the wrong place to be experiencing this situation. I could only think of one place I wanted to be, one place that would make me feel better. I found the 4th of July trail with a friend during my first year of university. Just an hour up in Netherland, it was so close to town, yet so far away from the mini bustle of Boulder. A short out-and-back trail at just over five miles total, it takes you through some quintessential Colorado landscape. I remember feeling so, ahem, radical when I first ran it, having previously done most of my running around a soccer field. Growing up in the flats of Ontario, Canada, and then the rolling hills of rural Tennessee, the trail was what I dreamed Colorado should be. The trail itself felt like the person I wanted to be. Fun with rock hopping, mellow and meandering with a few interesting tech sections to keep you on your toes. 
stream leaps and soft wildflowers, quiet wind and hardy trees. Late in the summer, snow patches huddled together in the shady parts of the surrounding terrain. For me, a run there meant a mind clear and cool, washed clean by the sound of running water streaming from Diamond Lake at the trail's end. A lot of folks like a loop trail or a point-to-point run. Ever-changing, new views all the way through. No looking back, only forward. You can trip through a long stretch of rolly chunder, but you know you'll only have to get through it once. You can leave things behind, good and bad. Those trails are great and all, but I find something really magical about a good out and back. On the way out, I feel one way. I get to the end, take a breath, and shove some gummy bears in my mouth. Maybe I get to look into a glassy lake and, in a Zoolander-esque way, ask, Who am I? Maybe I confidently answer, I don't know. And that's okay. And then I turn around and run the same steps back, but I feel different. I always feel one way on the way out, and another way on the way back. And that's exactly what I hoped for that day as I sped out of the Target parking lot. Gordon was my stepdad, but he became my real dad. He started dating my mom, a single parent to four kids, when I was in high school. I was protective of our family unit, and so I made it my teenage job to give him a tough time. Teenagers can be real assholes, myself included. Eventually, I realized that he was a total badass. He spent his hard-earned retirement days making old pieces of rusted metal beautiful again, usually in the form of American muscle cars, trucks, or tractors. Originally from Michigan, he was tall and lanky, had a silver-gray beard, and confidently loped around in perfectly worn-out Wranglers, boots, and a cowboy hat. He had a diehard allegiance to Ford and John Deere, and drank blazing hot coffee all day while working outside in the Tennessee heat. He respected hard work and kindness, and that's about it. He had seen more sadness in life than one person ought to, with two wives having passed in his arms before he met my mom. And yet, or maybe in so, he was always positive. Nothing much could get him down, and he moved through his days happy, satisfied he was doing exactly what he wanted to be doing. He helped me buy my first car. He taught me how to change the oil. He taught me about money, which I was always kind of scared of. Sometimes that happens when you grow up without it, he said. One time he handed me a $100 bill, scribbled the letters ATM on it, and said to use it when I needed it. I still haven't spent it. It was a new thing for me to get used to, having a dad who was there, steady and caring. Our interests were so different. He hated my music and the guys I dated. He had no idea what rock climbing or trail running was all about, and he didn't really care. But I knew that he cared about me. Through a blur of tears, I drove the car that Gordon helped me buy up to Netherland. I drove fast. Gordon got lots of speeding tickets, so I kind of felt like I was driving in honor of him. I thought about steering my car off the road, and then I thought better of it. I pulled into the trailhead and parked in the empty lot as the sun started to duck behind the Indian peaks. No cars, no people. I laced up my shoes, grabbed my headlamp, and started sob jogging. I struggled to breathe through my snot, My legs were lead. I walked to try to catch my breath, 
and when I caught it, I screamed it out and started running again. I tripped over rocks and sprinted out of anger on the open sections. I looked at all of the beauty surrounding me and wondered if Gordon was out there. No one I loved had ever died. Where was he? I sure felt lonely. But at least I was supposed to feel lonely in the outdoors. Somehow lonely outdoors is much friendlier than lonely standing in the middle of Target. The trees and bushes came to life a little bit, comforting me with soft little brushes. Gordon could whistle like nobody I ever heard before. I swear it sounded like he swallowed a little bird. People that whistle seem pretty happy, you know? I tried, but I couldn't make my breathing hard cry face form even a faint whistle. But I made a goal to whistle more. I ran away, and then I sat down on a rock. I looked around and thought that Gordon would have liked to take a walk on this trail. He and my mom used to walk after dinner just to get some exercise, and I started to worry that she might not do that anymore. Gordon had these great walking shoes that were giant and leather and super white. He wore them with equally white tube socks, and I thought he was hilarious. I looked down at my colorful but roughed-up running shoes that were supposed to help me blaze trails. They were so different than Gordon's shoes, but he would have appreciated that I did a form of work in them. I got up again and tried to cover some more ground. What if Gordon was watching and saw that I quit? He probably would have thought that I was crazy for running in the first place anyway. But maybe he would have been proud too. I didn't make it to the lake that evening. The night crept in as I ran from it, and the darkness overwhelmed me, literally and figuratively. People would be worried about me. I was worried about my mom. I could barely conceive of the pain I would hear in her voice when I finally called. I turned around on the trail. There was no destination that night, just out and then back. To feel one way and then another. To be in a place that might make this difficult time a little less horrible to remember. To surround myself with things that positively overwhelm me. Rocks and trees, water, trail and mountains. To feel alone in the right kind of way, in the right kind of place. As I neared the parking lot again, I saw a cowboy hat hanging off the branch of a trailside tree. I only knew one person who wore a cowboy hat. I stopped in my tracks. It was him, Gordon. I felt him there. I jogged the rest of the way to my car through the dark, scanning the lot with my headlamp. Still no cars besides mine. No people. Whose hat was it? Had it been there when I left? I don't know. I hadn't seen it on the way out, but I did on the way back, clear as day. To me, it was Gordon saying goodbye. What if I had just stayed put, bawling on the cold tile floor of fucking Target? I would have been a puddle, a hot mess for cleanup on aisle 12. Prolonged exposure to the fluorescent lights and the endless shelves of crap would have made an ugly memory uglier. Nope, I didn't want to remember Gordon like that. He was beautiful, 
so I ran towards Beauty to offset the ugly. The out and back worked that day. I felt frantic and distraught and out of control on the way out. I thrashed through a tantrum of a run. Confusion, love, pain, joy, sadness, and loss ran through me, so I just ran through all of the emotions. Every step felt hard. The darkness and my darkness finally stopped me, and I turned myself around. On the way back, I thought about Gordon, about his life, his advice, and the difficult times that were around the bend. The steps were hard all over again, but I was aware of what was coming, and I calmed myself to the point where I could at least breathe. My name is Anya Miller, and this is my short. Thank you, Anya, for sharing your story. We love working with you. If you'd like to see photos from Anya's story or from any of our previous episodes, follow us on Instagram at dirtbag underscore diaries. There's a lot of people showing up. It's a cool community. You need to see the photos. Check it out. Music today from Sergei Karamazov and Kai Engel. The tracks are courtesy of Free Music Archive or the artists themselves. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Becca Cajal and Cordelia Zars. I'm Fitz Cajal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>